With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Hey everyone, this is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with another edition of the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC or on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. As I sit here in traffic on I-20 on my way to the training facility, I was thinking about what an important week this is for Atlanta United, both for its short-term and its long-term. Of course, if you haven't been following the club, you know that with the addition of Pitti Martinez last week, the team now has four designated players. A designated player, for those who are new to Major League Soccer, is basically a designation that this player makes more than a, a salary of, I think it's around 540000 this year. Um, the salary, when you figure this out, is... I'm sorry, the, the charge when you figure this out is both salary and transfer fee amortized over the guaranteed years of the contract. There are more ingredients, but those are the two biggest factors. So, Major League Soccer only allows each team a maximum of three designated players. So, Atlanta United has a little bit of a problem that it must solve before rosters must be compliant by March 1st, which is the start of the season. So, they have probably five weeks or so by my count. Now, again, if you're new to the team, Miguel Almiron, arguably the best player in Major League Soccer over the past two seasons, the playmaker, left-footed playmaker, midfielder, just uh, a battery that doesn't stop on offense and defense, wants to go play in Europe, has said he wants to go play in Europe, was promised by former manager Gerardo Martino that he would do everything possible to help him go play in Europe, is to be of reported interest of several teams in Europe, including Newcastle, maybe Naples. That, that report looks a little bit dubious. Some people are throwing out Tottenham Hotspur, which, of course, uh, Darren Eels, Atlanta United's president, worked at before he came to Atlanta to run the Five Stripes because of their injury issues as a possible suitor. The other option would be to either sell or loan Ezequiel Barco, the 19-year-old midfielder from Argentina. I'm going to kind of break down both of these cases here for you real quick in this podcast, and then we'll talk about some other things, including the short-term and long-term impacts of both of these moves. Now, Darren Eels has said a few times that his valuation of Miguel Almiron is around $30 million. That would be a record transfer fee for a Major League Soccer club to, to any team, 
Almiron is, I believe, 24. Um, he's just he's a fantastic player. If you've watched him, you know, I, I can't tell you how many press boxes I've sat in who haven't, the guys haven't seen Almiron play live. He gets the ball, starts dribbling around, and suddenly you can hear a, oh, wow, kind of down the line. Now, Atlanta United lost a little bit of leverage, it can be argued, when Pitti Martinez announced that he was coming to Atlanta United because the clubs who may be interested in purchasing Almiron know, well, Atlanta United has to sell. Well, Darren Eels has tried to counter that by saying that he doesn't have to sell, and in that, he may be right. But selling Almiron for $30 million would be a gigantic step for the club. It would be a gigantic step for the league, obviously because of the number. The finances that would go to the club, it's not a $30 million like-for-like type of a thing. They recoup both the transfer fee and the salary they've paid Almiron over the previous two years. So that would be probably around $13 to $14 million. Then there's some other fees. Major League Soccer gets a small portion. But Atlanta United would still recoup a pretty, pretty penny. I think it's almost $20 million of $30 million, if not more than that. Maybe $24 million. I did the math a long time ago and can't remember what it is. I need to look it up again. That's money that could be reinvested. It has to be reinvested back into the club in a variety of ways. Uh, it could be another player acquisition. It could be the academy. It could be anything that basically helps the, the club run. It can't just go into the coffer, so to speak be a gigantic step for the club. It would be a gigantic signal of ambition. It would be a, a gigantic way to verify that the club wants to buy young players, develop, and sell at a profit. A huge step for Atlanta United and a huge move for Almiron. I don't believe that Almiron will go to Newcastle. Uh, it's a club consistently in turmoil. Darren Eels is very familiar with it from his time both at Tottenham and West Brom Albion. It's just a situation that I think if they were to sell Almiron to Newcastle, it would be putting him in a position to fail, not that Almiron would fail. It would just be a very difficult spot. They're fighting for promo- or fighting to avoid relegation right now. Rafa Benitez is threatening to leave. He's a fantastic manager there at Newcastle. Almiron could end up going four months later, get relegated, and then that's just a situation no one wants to put a player into. Naples, I think, will be a fantastic landing spot for Alberon. Carlo Ancelotti is a wonderful manager, uh, works with young players, very good head on his shoulders. And from everything I hear, just a very kind man, very good-natured man, very good situation for Alberon. Fantastic league, would face fantastic defenses. It would be a great situation for him. Tottenham would also be a great situation for Alberon. Uh, you know, the, the most watched league in the world, a club with Champions League ambitions, a club in the Champions League now, a club he would be surrounded by a lot of wonderful talent. They just sold a playmaker in Musa Dembele to China, so they might have a spot. I would need to really take a more in-depth look at their roster. Anyway, I think that would be a fantastic move for Almiron and the club. Now let's look at Barco. Because Barco is 19 uh, for another two months or so, he is classified as a young designated player by Major League Soccer. That's a subset of the designated player. This was created so that teams could take chances on players that maybe other clubs didn't know, hadn't identified, hadn't scouted. They could take a chance, buy the player, pay him a salary, I guess to incentivize him, and if it doesn't work out, they can loan that player 
and the loan doesn't the, the loan acquisition doesn't have to include the covering of the transfer fee only the salary in order to remove that player from a designated player status so to kind of make that as clear as possible Barco was purchased for reported 15 million dollars that was the largest transfer fee in major league soccer however his salary is only about 1.4 million dollars per year so if Atlanta United can't sell Almiron but needs to create the designated player slot to allow Pitti Martinez to come in they need to loan Barco because Barco is a young designated player, the team acquiring Barco would only need to agree to cover his salary, $1.4 million, in order for Atlanta United to free up both a roster slot and a designated player slot so that Pitti Martinez can begin playing with the first team. The acquiring team of Barco does not have to pay the transfer fee, only the salary. I hope that clarifies that. Now, some other people have said, well, what about Viaba? Viaba is no longer a designated player. He was bought down last year when the team acquired Barco. So that really doesn't matter. Uh, Viaba is a fantastic player. He's of reported interest of Club America. I don't see Atlanta United selling him with all the games they could potentially have this year, all the trophies they're going after. I think Viaba is a wonderful player. He was very impactful off the bench last year in the playoffs and in the MLS Cup. He may want more time, but he's a he's a pretty good guy, he strikes me as. He can be high-maintenance sometimes, but for the most part, he's a very good team player. So I don't see Atlanta United selling him. We'll know by the end of the week, uh, possibly, what's going to happen because the transfer window in England closes at the end of January. The transfer window in Spain stays open for a little bit longer. And then the transfer window for clubs in South America opens in February, I believe it is. So if Barco is going to go on loan, I believe it would be to a club probably back in Argentina where he's comfortable. People have said that this would be damaging to Barco, that he would have to go on loan. I don't think that's true, only because he has to go on loan because this is the rules of Major League Soccer. It's not like Atlanta United has a choice. Um, They have to loan or sell. And if they can't sell Almiron for the valuation they want, and I think it's important that they do so, they have to send somebody out. It's not going to be Joseph Martinez. He just signed a contract extension. It's not going to be Pithy Martinez. He just signed. It has to be Almiron or it has to be Barco. I think it might be good for Barco, because he is only 19, to go on loan somewhere, get his legs under him, get his confidence back, because I think it was missing last year. And then, depending upon what happens with Atlanta United's roster, he could be brought back and be that player that everyone thought he, that he was going to be last year. So that kind of breaks down this. Now, you know, for the club, selling Almiron for a profit, again, would be gigantic for the club, both financially and for its reputation and for its business model. It would be huge for the league to show, hey, we're bringing in young South Americans, we're developing, we're selling. Uh, it, it just it adds to the quality of the league. It adds to the reputation. That's not a bad thing at all. I don't think that loaning Barco would be a bad thing for the club. A lot of people have said he needs to go simply because he's not a great player. I agree he didn't have a great season. I do think that he can be a great player. I, I think that last year was tough on Barco. It showed in a variety of ways, some negative, uh, some probably regretful for Barco. He's, it's a new country, a new league, new team, new language, new culture, 
everything's new. That is a lot to handle, especially when you're 19 and you're basically alone. Um, I think this year, if Barco stays, he's going to be an impactful player. I think you could see him slide in to Almiron's position with Pitti Martinez going out to the left, uh, where he terrorized defenses in Argentina last year. Uh, so anyway, it's a very, very important week. Uh, I also wanted to touch on the U.S. men's national team's 3-0 win against Panama last night. It was a great win. Many of you know I'm not the biggest fan of Michael Bradley. He did have a good game last night. I think everyone needs to kind of slow their roll a little bit, though. It was a, a very modest Panama side, but it was very, very good to see a U.S. team that had a game plan, an identifiable, executable game plan. They stuck to that game plan, and it worked. That's something that's been missing for a long, long time. Um, I don't mind that it was a modest Panama side for the United States' younger players. They, they need that. They need to get their confidence up. They need to kind of get a sense of what the heck is going on before they start playing the higher quality teams in CONCACAF and in friendlies that they have lined up. Um, so anyway, I think it was a good performance. You know, Michael Bradley did look good, but again, modest Panama side. I want to see it done against the better sides. Um, but it was a good first start for Greg Bearhalter. I can remember in Gerardo's last interview with me, uh, right before he was leaving town, we were talking about if he had been interested in the men's national team job for the United States, and he didn't really want to get into it. Um, he said they weren't interested in me, so I didn't really think about it a whole lot. But he did stress that Greg Bearhalter is a great coach. Columbus, along with Red Bulls and Kansas City, were three MLS teams that Gerardo, uh, that Gerardo Martino had a lot of respect for in Major League Soccer because they had a stack, a tactic and a style that they stuck with. Um, and he really he appreciated that. They want to play soccer, which Martino obviously enjoys and appreciates. So it was a great uh, first start for Bearhalter and the young guys. If you missed it, Lawrenceville's Walker Zimmerman scored last night. I thought he had a pretty solid game. Um, a lot of the young guys that you'll get to see Atlanta United take on this year on other teams uh, had good games. So, you know, it's a good f- first step for the United States men's national team, and off we'll go. That's going to wrap up this Southern Fried Soccer podcast. It's kind of a quiet week for Atlanta United, other than potentially selling Almiron or loaning Barco. Um, as they head to California, they'll fly out on Friday. They'll be gone until the 15th. I will be out there the 5th through the 12th. Um, so I hope that you'll read the coverage. I think as far as I know, I'm the only Atlanta-based media that will be out in California. I'll be covering the training uh Sessions. I'll be covering two of the friendlies they have lined up that aren't open to the public again. Um, I've got a few other questions out to Major League Soccer and Atlanta United. Were they invited to the White House, for example, for winning a championship? And are they going to go? I'm trying to find out information about uh, the championship rings. Uh, that's a league thing. The White House is an Atlanta United thing. So I'm awaiting answers on a couple of those questions. Uh, the home kits are going to, I think, just by the logistical math, come out uh, sometime in the days between the when the team gets back from California and before they head to Costa Rica. That game is on February 21st against Herediano. It's the CONCACAF Champions League match. They leave the day before and they come back the day after. So I think it's going to be that Saturday, Sunday, Monday, or Tuesday of that week. Um, so anyway, again, this is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. 
Follow me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC. Follow me on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. I hope you, that you will consider subscribing to this podcast. I hope that you'll also uh, appreciate the work done by others. Dirty South Soccer, Off the Woodwork on 92.9. Those guys do a fantastic job, and please uh, consume their news also. All right, have a good one. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still amazed at how rich the city's Black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.